Act Three of Lulu Two, Pandora's Box, by Frank Vedekind, translated by Samuel Atkins Elliot Jr. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, an attic room without windows, but with two skylights, under one of which stands a bowl filled with rainwater. Downright a door through a board partition into a sort of cubicle under the slanting roof. Near it a wobbly flower-table with a bottle and a smoking oil-lamp on it. Upper right a worn-out couch. Door center. Near it a chair without a seat. Down left below the entrance door a torn grey mattress. None of the doors can shut tight. The rain beats on the roof. Shigolch in a long grey overcoat lies on the mattress. Alva on the couch, wrapped in a plaid whose straps still hang on the wall above him. The rain's drumming for the parade. Cheerful weather for her first appearance. I dreamt just now that we were dining together at Olympia. Bianetta was still with us. The tablecloth was dripping on all four sides with champagne. Yeah, yeah, and I was dreaming of a Christmas pudding. Lulu appears, back, barefoot, in a torn black dress, but with her hair falling to her shoulders. Where have you been? Curling your hair first? She only does that to revive old memories. If one could only get warmed, just a little, from one of you. Will you enter barefoot on your pilgrimage? The first step always costs all kind of moaning and groaning. Twenty years ago it was no whit better, and what she has learned since then. The coals only have to be blown. When she's been at it a week, not ten locomotives will hold her in our miserable attic. The bowl is running over. What shall I do with the water? Uh, pour it out the window. Lulu gets up on the chair and empties the bowl through the skylight. It looks as if the rain would let up at last. You're wasting your time when the clerks go home after supper. Would to God I were lying somewhere, where no step would wake me any more. Oh, would I were too. Why prolong this life? Let's rather starve to death, together, this very evening, in peace and concord. Is it not the last stage now? Why don't you go out and get us something to eat? You've never earned a penny in your whole life. In this weather, when no one would kick a dog from his door. But me, I, with the little blood I have left in my limbs, I am to stop your mouths. I don't touch a farthing of the money. Let her go, just. I long for one more Christmas pudding. Then... I've had enough. And I long for one more beefsteak and a cigarette. Then die. I was just dreaming of a cigarette such as never yet been smoked. She'll see us put to an end before her eyes, before doing herself a little pleasure. The people on the street will sooner leave cloak and coat in my hands than go with me for nothing. If you hadn't sold my clothes, I, at least, wouldn't need to be afraid of the lamplight. I'd like to see the woman who could earn anything in the rags I'm wearing on my body. I have left nothing human untried. 
as long as i had money i spent whole nights making up tables with which one couldn't help winning against the cleverest card sharps and yet evening after evening i lost more than if i had shaken out gold by the pailful then i offered my services to the courtesans but they don't take anyone without the stamps of the courts and they see at first glance if one's related to the guillotine or not yeah yeah i spared myself no disillusionments but when i made jokes they laughed at me and when i behaved as respectable as i am they boxed my ears and when i tried being smutty they got so chaste and maidenly that my hair stood up on my head for horror he who has not prevailed over society they have no confidence in won't you kindly put your boots on now child i don't think i shall grow much older in this lodging it's months since i had any feeling in the ends of my toes towards midnight i'll drink a bit more down the pub the lady that keeps it told me yesterday that i seem to really want to be her lover in the name of the three devils i'll go down she puts to her mouth the bottle on the flower table so they can smell your stink half hour off i shan't drink it all you won't go down you're my woman you shan't go down i forbid it what would you forbid your woman when you can't support yourself whose fault is that who but my woman has laid me on the sick-bed am i sick who has trailed me through the dung who has made me my father's murderer did you shoot him he didn't lose much but when i see you lying there i could hack off both my hands for having sinned so against my judgment she goes out into her room she infected me from her castipiani it's a long time since she was susceptible to it herself little devils like her can't begin putting up with it too soon if angels are ever going to come out of them oh, she ought to have been born empress of russia then she'd have been in the right place a second catherine the second lulu re-enters with a worn-out pair of boots and sits on the floor to put them on if only i don't go head first down the stairs Ugh! how cold is there anything in the world more dismal than a daughter of joy patience patience she's only got to take the right road into the business at the start it's all right with me nothing's wrong with me any more puts the bottle to her lips that warms one oh accursed exit when we hear her coming we must creep into my cubbyhole a while i'm damned sorry for her when i think back i grew up with her in a way you know she'll hold out as long as i live anyway we treated each other at first like brother and sister mamma was still living then i met her by chance one morning when she was dressing dr gole had been called for a consultation 
her hairdresser had read my first poem that i had printed in society follow thy pack far over the mountains it will return again covered with sweat and dust oh yeah and then she came in rose-colored muslin with nothing under it but a white satin slip for the spanish ambassador's ball dr gull seemed to feel his death near he asked me to dance with her so she shouldn't cause any mad acts papa meanwhile never turned his eyes from us and all through the waltz she was looking over my shoulder only at him afterwards she shot him it is unbelievable i've only got a very strong doubt whether anyone will bite any more i shouldn't like to advise it to anybody shigoch grunts at that time though she was a fully developed woman she had the expression of a five-year-old a joyous utterly healthy child and she was only three years younger than me then but how long ago it is now for all her immense superiorities in matters of practical life she let me explain tristan and isolde to her and how entrancingly she could listen out of the little sister who at her marriage still felt like a schoolgirl came the unhappy hysterical artist wife out of the artist wife came the spouse of my blessed father and out of her came then my mistress well so that is the way of the world who will prevail against it if only she doesn't skid away from the gentleman with honourable intentions and bring us up instead some vagabond she's exchanged her heart's secrets with i kissed her for the first time in her rustling bridal dress but afterwards she didn't remember it all the same i believe she had thought of me even in my father's arms it can't have been often with him he had his best time behind him and she had deceived him with coachmen and bootblack but when she did give herself to him then i stood before her soul through that too without my realizing it she had attained this dreadful power over me there they are heavy steps are heard mounting the stairs alva starting up i will not endure it i'll throw the fellow out Shigolch wearily picks himself up, takes Alva by the collar, and cuffs him toward the left. Forward, forward! How is the young man to confess his troubles to her with us two sprawling around? 
but if he demands other things low things of her if well if what more will he demand of her he's only a man like the rest of us we must leave the door open shigoch pushing alva in right nonsense lie down i'll hear it soon enough heaven spare him shigoch closing the door from inside shut up he'd better look out lulu enters followed by hunide a gigantic figure with a smooth-shaven rosy face sky-blue eyes and a friendly smile he wears a tall hat and overcoat and carries a dripping umbrella here's where i live hunide puts his finger to his lips and looks at lulu significantly then he opens his umbrella and puts it on the floor rear to dry of course i know it isn't very comfortable here hunide comes forward and puts his hand over her mouth what do you mean me to understand by that hunide puts his hand over her mouth and his finger to his lips i don't know what that means hunide quickly stops her mouth lulu frees herself we're quite alone here no one will hear us hunide lays his finger on his lips shakes his head points at lulu opens his mouth as if to speak points at himself and then at the door Er gott he's a monster hunide stops her mouth then goes rear folds up his overcoat and lays it over the chair near the door then comes down with a broad smile takes lulu's head in both his hands and kisses her on the forehead the door right half opens shigoch behind the door he's got a screw loose he'd better look out she couldn't have brought up anything drearier lulu stepping back i hope you're going to give me something hunide stops her mouth and presses a gold piece in her hand then looks at her uncertain questioningly as she examines it and throws it from one hand to the other all right it's good puts it into her pocket hunide quickly stops her mouth gives her a few silver coins and glances at her commandingly oh that's nice of you hunide leaps madly about the room brandishing his arms and staring upward in despair lulu cautiously nears him throws an arm round him and kisses him on the mouth laughing soundlessly he frees himself from her and looks questioningly she takes up the lamp and opens the door to her room he goes in smiling taking off his hat the stage is dark save for what light comes through the cracks of the door alva and shigoch creep out on all fours they're gone shigoch behind him wait one can never hear nothing here you've heard that often enough i will kneel before her door little mother sunny presses past alva gropes across the stage to hunade's coat and searches the pockets alva crawls to lulu's door gloves nothing more turns the coat round searches the inside pockets pulls out a book that he gives to alva just see what that is alva holds the book to the light wearily deciphering the title page warnings to pious pilgrims and such as wish to be so oh very helpful price two shillings and sixpence it looks to me as if god had left him pretty completely lays the coat over the chair again and makes for the cubbyhole there's nothing doing with these people 
the country's best times behind it life is never as bad as it's painted he too creeps back not even a silk muffler he's got and yet in germany we creep on our bellies before this rabble come let's vanish again she only thinks of herself and takes the first man that runs across her path i hope the dog remembers her the rest of his life they disappear left shutting the door behind them lulu re-enters setting the lamp on the table hunide follows will you come to see me again hunide stops her mouth she looks upward in a sort of despair and shakes her head hunide putting his coat on approaches her grinning she throws her arms around his neck he gently frees himself kisses her hand and turns to the door she starts to accompany him but he signs to her to stay behind and noiselessly leaves the room shigoch and alva re-enter how he has stirred me up how much did he give you here it is all take it i'm going down again we can still live like princes up here he's coming back then let's just retire again quick he's after his prayer-book here it is it must have fallen out of his coat lulu listening no that isn't he that's someone else someone's coming up i hear it quite plainly now there's someone tapping at the door who may that be probably a good friend he's recommended to us come in countess geschwitz enters in poor clothes with a canvas roll in her hand geschwitz to lulu if i've come at a bad time i'll turn around again the truth is i haven't spoken to a living soul for ten days i must tell you right off i haven't got any money my brother never answered me at all your ladyship would now like to stretch your feet under our table i'm going down again where are you going in this pomp however i come not wholly empty-handed i bring you something else on my way here an old clothes man offered me twelve shillings for it but i could not force myself to part from it you can sell it though if you want to what is it let us see it takes the canvas and unrolls it visibly rejoiced oh by god it's lulu's portrait monster you've brought that here get it out of my sight throw it out of the window alva suddenly with renewed life deeply pleased why i should like to know looking at this picture i again regain my self-respect it makes my fate comprehensible to me everything we have endured gets clear as day in a somewhat elegiac strain let him who feels secure in his middle-class position when he sees these blossoming pouting lips these childlike eyes big and innocent this rose-white body abounding in life let him cast the first stone at us we must nail it up it will make an excellent impression on our patrons there's a nail sticking already for it in the wall 
but how did you come upon this acquisition i secretly cut it out of the wall in your house there after you were gone too bad the colors all rubbed off around the edges you didn't roll it up carefully enough fastens it to a high nail in the wall it's got to have another one underneath if it's going to hold it makes the whole flat look more elegant let me alone i know how i'll do it he tears several nails out of the wall pulls off his left boot and with its heel nails the edges to the picture to the wall it's just got to hang a while again to get its proper effect whoever looks at that'll imagine afterwards that he's been in an indian harem alva putting on his boot again standing up proudly her body was at its highest point of development when that picture was painted the lamp kid dear seems to me it's gotten extraordinarily dark he must have been an eminently gifted artist who painted that lulu perfectly composed again stepping before the picture with the lamp didn't you know him then no it must have been long before my time i only occasionally heard chance remarks of yours that he had cut his throat from persecution mania alva comparing the picture with lulu the childlike expression in her eyes is still absolutely the same in spite of all she has lived through since the dewy freshness that covered her skin the sweet-smelling breath from her lips the rays of light that beam from her white forehead and this challenging splendor of young flesh and throat and arms all that's gone with the rubbish wagon she can say with self-assurance that was me once the man she falls into the hands of to-day'll have no conception of what we were when we were young be thanked we don't notice the continual decline when she was a person all the time the woman blooms for us in the moment when she hurls the man to destruction for the rest of his life that is her name and her destiny down in the street lamps shimmer she's still a match for a dozen walking spectres the man who still wants to make connections at this hour looks out more for art qualities than mere physical good points he decides for a pair of eyes from which the least thievery sparkles lulu now as pleased as alva i shall see if you are right adieu you shall not go down again as i live where did you want to go down to fetch up a man lulu she's done it once to-day already lulu lulu where you go i go too if you want to put your bones up for sale kindly get a district of your own lulu i shall not stir from your side i have weapons upon me confound it all her ladyship plots to fish with our bait you're killing me i can't stand it here any more exit you need fear nothing i am with you follows her Alva, whimpering, throws himself on his couch. Shigoch swears loudly and grumbling. Oh, 
I, I guess there's not much more good to expect on this side. We ought to have held the creature back by the throat. She'll scare away everything that breathes with her aristocratic death's head. She's flung me onto a sickbed and larded me with thorns outside and in. And she's still got enough strength in her body to do the same for ten men, all right? No mortally wounded man'll ever find the stab of mercy welcomer than I. If she hadn't enticed the acrobat to my place that time, we'd have him around our neck today, too. I see it swinging above my head, as Tantalus saw the branch with the golden apples. She got on his mattress. Won't you turn up the lamp a little? Can a simple, natural man in the wilderness suffer so unspeakably? What have I made of my life? What's the beastly weather made of my ulster? When I was five and twenty, I knew how to help myself. It has cost everyone my sunny, glorious youth. I guess it'll go out in a minute. Till they come back, it'll be as dark in here again as in mother's womb. With the clearest consciousness of my purpose. I... I sought intercourse with people who'd never read a book in their lives. With self-denial, with exultation, I clung to the elements that I might be carried to the loftiest heights of poetic fame. The reckoning was false. I am the martyr of my calling. Since the death of my father, I have not written a single line. If only they haven't stayed together. Nobody but a silly boy will go with two, no matter what. They've not stayed together? That's what I hope. If need be, she'll keep the creature off her with her kicks. One, risen from the dregs, is the most celebrated man of his nation. Another... Born in the purple, lies in the mud, and cannot die. Here they come. And what blessed hours of mutual joy in creation they had lived through each other. They can do that now for the first time rightly. We must hide again. I stay here. Just what do you pity them for? Who spends his money has his good reasons for it? I have no longer the moral courage to let my comfort be disturbed for a miserable sum of money. He wraps himself up in his plaid. Noblesse oblige. A respectable man does what he owes his position. He hides left. Lulu opens the door, saying, Come right in, dearie, and there enters Prince Kangupoti, heir apparent of Uahubi, in a light suit, white spats, tan button boots, and a grey tall hat. His speech, interrupted with frequent hiccups, 
abounds with the peculiar African hiss sounds. Goddamn! It's dark on the stairs. It's lighter here, sweetheart. Pulling him forward by the hand. Come on. But it's cold here, awful cold. Have some brandy. Brandy? You bet, always. Brandy's good. Lulu giving him the bottle. I don't know where there's a glass. Doesn't matter. Drinks. Brandy, lots of it. You're a nice-looking young man. My father's the emperor of Uahubi. I've got six wives here, to Spanish, to English, to French. Well, I don't like my wives. Always I must take a bath, take a bath, take a bath. How much will you give me? Gold. Trust me, you shall have gold. One gold piece. I always give gold pieces. You can give it to me later, but show it to me. I never pay beforehand. But you can show it to me, though. Don't understand, don't understand. Come, Ragapsishimulara. Seizing Lulu round the waist. Come on. Lulu defending herself with all her strength. Let me be, let me be. Alvar, who has risen painfully from his couch, sneaks up to Kangu Poti from behind and pulls him back by the collar. Kangu Poti whirling round. Uh-oh, this is a murder hole. Come, my friend, I'll put you to sleep. Strikes him over the head with a loaded cane. Alva groans and falls in a heap. Here's a sleeping draught. Here's opium for you. Sweet dreams to you. Sweet dreams. Then he gives Lulu a kiss, pointing to Alva. He dreams of you, Ragapsishimulara. Sweet dreams. Rushing to the door. Here's the door. Exit. But I'll not stay here. Who can stand it here now? Rather down onto the street. Exit. Shigoch comes out. Blood. Alva. He's got to be put away somewhere. Hop! Or else our friends will get a shock from him. Alva! Alva! He isn't quite clear about it. One thing or t'other, it'll soon be too late. I'll give him legs. Strikes a match and sticks it into Alva's collar. He will have his rest, but no one sleeps here. Drags him by the head into Lulu's room. Returning, he tries to turn up the light. It'll be time for me too, right soon now, or they'll get no more Christmas puddings down there in the tavern. God knows when she'll be coming back from her pleasure tour. Fixing an eye on Lulu's picture. She doesn't understand business. She can't live off love, because her life is love. There she comes. I'll just talk straight to her once. Countess Geschwitz enters. If you want to lodge with us tonight, kindly take a little care that nothing is stolen here. How dark it is here. It gets much darker than this. The doctor's already gone to rest. She sent me ahead. That was sensible. If anyone asks for me, I'm sitting downstairs in the pub. Geschwitz, after he is gone. I will sit behind the door. I will look on at everything and not quiver an eyelash. Sits on the broken chair. Men and women don't know themselves. They know not what they are. Only one who is neither man nor woman knows them. Every word they say is untrue, a lie. And they do not know it. 
for they are to-day so and to-morrow so according as they have eaten drunk and loved or not only a body remains for a time what it is and and only the children have reason the men and women are like animals none knows what it does when they are happiest they bewail themselves and groan and in their deepest misery they rejoice over every tiny morsel it is strange how hunger takes from men and women the strength to withstand misfortune but when they have fed full they make this world a torture-chamber they throw away their lives to satisfy a whim a mood have there ever once been men and women to whom love brought happiness and what is their happiness save that they sleep better and can forget it all my god i thank thee that thou hast not made me as these i am not man nor woman my body has nothing common with their bodies have i a human soul tortured humanity has a little narrow heart but i know i deserve nothing when i resign all sacrifice all lulu opens the door and dr hilty enters Geschwitz, unnoticed, remains motionless by the door. Come right in. Come. You'll stay with me all night. But I have no more than five shillings on me. I never take more than that when I go out. That's enough, because it's you. You have such faithful eyes. Come, give me a kiss. Dr. Hilty begins to swear in the broadest North Country vowels. Please don't say that. By the devil. Tis the first time I ever gone with a girl. You can believe me, Mas. I hadn't thought it would be like this. Are you married? Heaven and hell! Why do you think I am married? No, I am a tutor. I read philosophy at the university. The truth is, I come of a very old country family. As a student, I got just two shillings pocket money. And I could make better use of that than for girls. So you have never been with a woman? Just so, yes. But I want it now. I got engaged this evening to a country woman of mine. She's a governess here. Is she pretty? Yeah. She's got a hundred thousand. I'm very eager, as it seems to me. Lulu tossing back her hair. I am in luck. Takes the lamp. Well, if you please, Mr. Tudor. They go into her room. Geschwitz draws a small black revolver from her pocket and sets it to her forehead. Come, come, beloved. Dr. Hilty tears open the door again. Dr. Hilty plunging in. Insane, Sarabs. Someone's lying in there. Lulu, lamp in hand, holds him by the sleeve. Stay with me. A dead man? A corpse? Stay with me, stay with me. Dr. Hilty, tearing away. A corpse is lying in there. Horrors, hail, heaven. Stay with me. Where does it go out? Sees Geschwitz. And that is the devil. Please, stop, stay. Devil, devil, devilry. Oh, though eternal. Exit. Lulu rushing after him. Stop, stop. Geschwitz alone lets the revolver sink. 
better hang. If she sees me lie in my blood to-day, she'll not weep a tear for me. I have always been to her but the docile tool that could be used for the heaviest labour. From the first day she has abhorred me from the depths of her soul. Shall I not rather jump from the bridge? Which could be colder, the water or her heart? I would dream till I was drowned. Better hang. Stab? Hm. There would be no use in that. How often have I dreamt that she kissed me? But a minute more, and the owl knocked there at the window, and I wake up. Better hang. Not water. Water is too clean for me. Starting up. There, there it is. Quick now, before she comes. Takes the plaid straps from the wall, climbs on the chair, fastens them to a hook in the doorpost, puts her head through them, kicks the chair away, and falls to the ground. A cursed life, a cursed life. Could it be before me still? Let me speak just once to thy heart, my angel. But thou art cold. I am not to go yet. Perhaps I am even to have been happy once. Listen to him, Lulu. I am not to go yet. She drags herself before Lulu's picture, sinks to her knees, and folds her hands. My adored angel, my love, my star, have mercy upon me. Pity me, pity me, pity me. Lulu opens the door, and Jack enters, a thick-set man of elastic movements with a pale face, inflamed eyes, arched and heavy brows, a drooping moustache, thin imperial and shaggy whiskers, and fiery red hands with gnawed nails. His eyes are fixed on the ground. He wears a dark overcoat and a little round felt hat. Entering, he notices Kishvitz. Who is that? That's my sister. She's crazy. I don't know how to get rid of her. Your mouth looks beautiful. It's my mother's. Looks like it. How much do you want? I haven't got much money. Won't you spend the night with me here? No, I haven't got the time. I must get home. You must tell them at home tomorrow that you missed the last bus and spent the night with a friend. How much do you want? I'm not after lumps of gold, but, well, a little something. Jack, turning. Good night, good night. Lulu holds him back. No, no, stay, for God's sake. Jack goes past Geschwitz and opens the cubicle. Why should I stay here till morning? Sounds suspicious. When I'm asleep, they'll turn my pockets out. No, I won't do that. No one will. Don't go away again for that. I beg you. How much do you want? Then give me the half of what I said. No, that's too much. You don't seem to have been at this long. Today is the first time. She jerks back Geschwitz, on her knees still, half turned toward Jack, by the straps around her neck. Lie down and be quiet. Let her alone. She isn't your sister. She is in love with you. Strokes Geschwitz's head like a dog's. Poor beast. Why do you stare at me so all at once? I got your measure by the way you walked. I said to myself, that girl must have a well-built body. How can you see things like that? I even saw that you had a pretty mouth, but I've only got a florin on me. 
Well, what difference does that make? Just give that to me. But you'll have to give me half back, so I can take the bus tomorrow morning. I have nothing on me. Just look, though. Hunt through your pockets. Well, what's that? Let's see it. Lulu, showing him. That's all I have. Give it to me. I'll change it tomorrow, and then give you half. No, give it all to me. Lulu, giving it. In God's name! But now you come. Takes up the lamp. We need no light. The moon's out. Lulu puts the lamp down. As you say. She falls on his neck. I won't harm you at all. I love you so. Don't let me beg you any longer. All right. I'm with you. Follows her into the cubbyhole. The lamp goes out. On the floor under the two skylights appear two vivid squares of moonlight. Everything in the room is clearly seen. Geschwitz as in a dream. This is the last evening I shall spend with these people. I'm going back to Germany. My mother will send me the money. I'll go to a university. I must fight for women's rights. Study law. Lulu shrieks and tears open the door. Lulu, barefoot, in chemise and petticoat, holding the door shut behind her. Help! Geschwitz rushes to the door, draws her revolver, and pushing Lulu aside, aims it at the door. As Lulu again cries, Help! Let go! Jack, bent double, tears open the door from inside, and runs a knife into Geschwitz's body. She fires one shot at the roof and falls with suppressed crying, crumpling up. Jack tears her revolver from her and throws himself against the exit door. God damn! I never saw a prettier mouth. Sweat drips from his hairy face. His hands are bloody. He pants, gasping violently, and stares at the floor with eyes popping out of his head. Lulu, trembling in every limb, looks wildly round. Suddenly she seizes the bottle, smashes it on the table, and with the broken neck in her hand rushes upon Jack. He swings up his right foot and throws her onto her back. Then he lifts her up. No! No! Mercy! Murder! Police! Police! Be still. You'll never get away from me again. Carries her in. Lulu, within, right. No! 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 Ah! Ah! After a pause, Jack re-enters. He puts the bowl on the table. Hmm. That was a piece of work. Washing his hands. I am a damned lucky chap. Looks round for a towel. Not even a towel, these folks here. Hell of a wretched hole. He dries his hands on Geschwitz's petticoat. This invert is safe enough from me. To her. It'll soon be all up with you, too. Exit. Geschwitz, alone. Lulu. My angel. Let me see thee once more. I am near thee. Stay near thee. Forever. Her elbows give way. Oh, cursed. Dies. Curtain. End of Act Three. End of Lulu Two, Pandora's Box, by Frank Vedekind. Translated by Samuel Atkins Elliott, Jr.